You're listening to the Spandex Power Armor Podcast. Yet another commentary on the oversaturated superhero genre. Hello everybody, welcome to the podcast. Uh, today we're celebrating Pride Month by talking about Tiger and Bunny. I don't quite see what that has to do with Pride Ranger. Uh, well, a lot of people think that Kotetsu and Barnaby are, uh, yeah, more than more than more than best buddies. You mean they're homies? I mean they're homos, allegedly. <laughs> this is the strangest intro I think we've done. Um, okay, why we start the series <laughs> on anime and we do it with what a fan theory of the protagonist being gay? I'm sorry, what is this super hulock? Uh. It's all right, we don't have any listeners on Tumblr, I don't think, so we're all Gucci for now. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, no, we're, we're talking about Tiger and Bunny today. Uh, one of my absolute all-time goddamn best favorite super-duper love most blah blah blah. I love it animes ever. Yeah, it's all right. I'm going to throttle you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. No, it was good. Uh, I, I've rewatched it a bunch over and over and over, basically, and every single time I love it. Uh, Re- Rex here has seen it once. So, you know, that, that's what we're working with here. That, that's what we're, today's episode is going to be kind of comprised of. Hey, I did really enjoy it. I love the unique take on the superhero genre. I especially love the way that it's portrayed. I love the character interactions. I apologize if anyone can hear the sound of bubbling. There is a goblin sitting in the corner of my room taking a fat bong grip every five seconds. Well, actually, no, I'm just brewing mead. So that's very active during the summer. I can imagine. You use yeast in mead. Yeah. Bought some wine yeast, although um, at a pinch I could nip to the nearest convenience store, buy some jars of honey and some bread yeast, and make you some mead that may probably give you indigestion. Yeah, sounds good. I like mead. Like me some mead. Uh, yeah, back on to we're not we're not doing this episode on brewery, brewing, brewing, brew, brewing, brewing. All those kind of derivative and adjacent words are just a nightmare for me to say. It always makes me feel like I'm going all cotton mouth. Yeah, it's Brewery. it's a bit weird to pronounce. Brew, yeah, oh God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm never going to say that again. I hate it. Uh, back to anime. Um, yeah, Tiger and Bunny is really good. Um, funnily enough, though, the people who made it didn't think it would do well at all, and were pretty shocked to see how popular it had become. It's, yeah, it's, it's always nice when your creators kind of think you're a, <laughs> not really worth much, isn't it? Well, true. The same thing happened for Star Wars, didn't it? Yeah, no. Um, what was that, Jaws? Lucas. No, it was, it, was, it was Star Wars. Didn't George Lucas go on a holiday when it premiered just so he didn't have to see all the initial reviews straight away? Uh, yeah, so it came out in 2011, um, and it's by Sunrise, the same guys who do um, Gundam and Love Live, I think. Yeah, pretty sure it's Love Live they do as well. That idle thing that people obsess over weirdly. Yeah, it was kind of a uh, bit of a sleeper hit. Like it, it was... <laughs> I don't know, it kind of became a bit of a cult thing afterwards. Like people know of it and like it, but no one's like, "Oh yeah, Tiger and Bunny." It's one of my, it's one of my favorite things. Like you'll you'll find people who are positive about it, but it's hard to find someone who will bring that up initially as like one of their top anime. Yeah, it seems relatively obscure, but it's a shame, really. It's great quality. Well, to be fair, if it stays relatively obscure, kind of, I don't know. When things get a bit too popular, that's when you get weird fandom bull happening you know i don't really want to be issued death threats and suicide baited because i i I don't know 
you you um you questioned the theory that <laughs> Barnaby and uh, Katetsu were buddies. <laughs> yeah, no, that yeah, I can guarantee if that ever gets popular, it that'll happen. I'm surprised it hasn't actually because it, it's on Netflix, and something like that happened when um, Last Airbender no, came dude. on Netflix. I'm I'm going to root for Fire Emblem X Rock Bison. One day he'll enjoy those ass slaps. <laughs> so the basic premise of Tiger and Bunny is uh, you've got superheroes in a city and they save people. That's a pretty standard way of starting this kind of thing off, but where it deviates is how it's framed. So so basically, because you get so much uh, you know, associated collateral damage with superheroing, um, superheroes are now sponsored by companies who will foot the bill for their damage if it's ruled to not be, you know, in the proper line of duty. Uh, in return, the superheroes will then wear their, those companies' uh, logos as, kind of, yeah, like NASCAR tracksuits and stuff like that. Pretty much, yeah. It's yeah. it's like NASCAR, but for superheroes. But, you know, we've got corporate superheroes, and they're all wearing, like, real-world company things as well, which I think is absolutely genius. Because, you know, if, you, if you're wearing real-world company logos you're getting real world sponsorship things for this thing so they must have had a pretty decent budget and it shows like this came out uh 10 yeah yeah 10 years ago right 2012 dude just yeah, under 2011. 12 just under 10 yeah yeah no, it came out in 2011 and it's 2021 right so oh okay not yeah. sure where 2012 came from then uh but yeah no it's about 10 years and the cgi in it still looks pretty decent yeah, although I do find that the Netflix version, which doesn't have the actual licensed sponsors on it, does kind of detract from what the audience is supposed to get from this mm. cynical corporate world, where it all makes sense if they're plastered in logos. There are several parts in the intro that are specifically meant for showing off the brands, just to emphasize it. There's a scene where, not a scene, just a bit in the intro where Blue Rose takes a sip from a generic bottle of cola. But no, it's supposed to be Pepsi. I mean, there's a scene in the actual Japanese anime that has her doing a Pepsi ad. Yes. It's that kind of thing. And, oh, shoot. What's the name well, of the one that... Um, what's what's the name of the hero that um, appears in the corner of things just to show off the sponsors? Origami Cyclone. Origami Cyclone. Now, in the Netflix version, his presence is pretty much unnecessary because oh, yeah. he isn't plastered in logos. In fact, when he was addressing... Um, a bunch of prospective superheroes as an academy, his advice was always make sure your logos are visible. Man has no logos on him in the Netflix version. It creates, yeah. It, it really creates real issues. And you get, you're right, like there's that bit in the opening where Barnaby kind of underlines the Bandai logo on his chest and like in the Netflix version, like what? What are you pointing at? Your, your big fat beefy titties? I mean, they're nice, <laughs> but... You see these nipples? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, I... Honestly, I'm surprised they didn't just replace them with generic, kind of fake replacement ones. That like, would have gotten the message across. Yeah. You know, just have Blue Rose chugging down a, a fat swig of blepsy. Yeah, also considering that um, most of the superhero costumes are 3D models, so you could just add another texture onto that. Yeah. It's not yeah. like you're going frame by frame. It, it's, it, what, they it's not like you're editing Stalin's enemies out of photographs. <laughs> The point is, they were able to get rid of them, right? Why couldn't you put new ones in? Mm. It couldn't have been. It couldn't have been that much harder to take them out and then to put more in. You're doing that. 
whatever. Uh, this is if you haven't seen this, it will seem like a weird thing to get stuck on. But once you watch it, you'll understand. It, it's very important that they have company logos on them. Uh, that's how it works. Otherwise, all their talks about sponsors and the, you know, the whole reality TV show they're a part of is completely superfluous, and it may as well just not be a, a factor. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, but you know, if you got the uh, the Blu-rays like I did, which come with the corporate logos on, you get not you know just perfect, perfect. It, yeah, as as God intended. It's almost like relying on. Congratulations, you're a idea. consumer. Oh yes, Daddy, give me those brands. Mmm, I want to stare at logos. I can smell your Funko Pop collection. Do not let tar me with that brush. I'd like, make, <laughs> I'd like to make an official disclaimer that I do not own any Funko Pops, okay? I'm a proud elitist. All of my figures have hinges and ball joints. <laughs> a consumer I may be, but at least I have decent taste. <laughs> Can't believe you'd do that to me. Our one listener will think I'm a Redditor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, TLDR, we really need you to watch it with the logos because otherwise, so much of it doesn't make sense. Yeah, like they'll say something and you're like, hang about that doesn't make, that doesn't follow. Where are the logos? What are they talking about? Hmm. Now that we've gotten that out of the way, we can kind of continue talking about how this is set up. Yeah, the world is just phenomenal. I I just I love it. Every single part of it is something that I just love to watch like the triple decker city that they live in it's stellar and yeah from this point on i just like to say we we, we both watched it um in the english dub because why wouldn't we it takes place in america yeah and it's got steve bloom in it yeah steve bloom and steve bloom oh he was great when he played steve bloom yeah i do like steve bloom as steve bloom in steve bloom uh yeah it's they've created this world that's on one hand kind of really cynical and a little bit depressing but they managed to kind of balance that out with a decent amount of levity to kind of still make it seem like not the worst place to live like this triple decker city each tier kind of is inhabited by a different social class or different economic class so you've got people living on the top who are super rich and people living on the bottom who are not you know groundbreaking social commentary here Although you don't really get so much of that from the series. There isn't much in the way of world building and fluff. It's more Not implied that. from the background. No, you, like, that, that is the case, but they, they don't they say, oh, they, they don't go like directly address that kind of thing. It's just kind of part of the window dress, and it kind of makes it seem a little bit more lived in. Oh, yeah. I especially like the um, scene. I think it's, I think it's only in the... Um, intro film, which is an expansion of uh, the first two episodes with an extra side story, yeah. where it's got Katetsu on sort of a diagonal elevator going between the layers, yeah. where there's a cafe yeah, inside really of good. it. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. I love the aesthetic of this city. Sternbuild is just... Honestly, I just... I, there's nothing about triple-decker Manhattan that does not appeal to me in some way, shape, or form. Like the massive statues and all that, it's just... It looks wonderful. I'm glad they didn't design it with a very generic American vibe. They really did their own thing with it. It isn't quite cyberpunk, but it's there. It's very sci-fi. It's unique. Although there are a lot of American influences, like the bastardized Statue of Liberty uh, thing going on. But um, yeah, it, it sort of takes you to another world. Very alternate history. Yeah, 
Yeah, oh, clearly, because it takes place in like 1978 or something like that. Like their version also, actually, one thing. Why would you build a multi-tiered city like that? Because it would be an absolute pain for development. I think it's because of flooding. Hmm. So, wait, hang on. So what happens to the ones underneath? Is it just let the poor people drown? Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, use the shit. mass of floating poor people bodies to create a raft. Ah, <laughs> uh, man, it, it's... I don't know. I'm, see, now you mentioned it not being quite... I'm trying to figure out what kind of aesthetic it has. Because it's almost... Almost retro-futuristic, I guess. Almost. <laughs> Re yeah, retro-future works. Actually, I mean, no, there's a yeah. lot of... Um, Art Deco stuff. It reminds me a bit of Gotham. I was just about to say something about that. Yeah, like uh, like Batman the Animated yeah. Series. How they still have computers, yeah. but they're also using like black and white CRT TVs. Like, yeah, in pretty this much. One, like, yeah, because yeah, Kotetsu's watching like old uh, Mr. Legend videos on what's pretty much like a vinyl I think it's like player. a laser disc. Yeah. Or like they've got like hologram phone display things, but it's uh, one of those, old, it looks like an old rotary thing too. Hmm. Oh, yeah, so, no, yeah, retro-futuristic, then. We solved the mystery. Yay! <laughs> uh, no, it... Just watch it. You, you'll understand when you watch it. There's only so much I can gush and say it looks real good before, you know, it kind of wears itself out. Um, the plot focuses on Kotetsu and Barnaby as the first superhero duo in this city. Uh, they're kind of followed and they kind of act as part of a in-universe reality TV show, which is what helps get the corporate sponsors logos seen and kind of feeds into that whole system. And it, yeah, one of the primary threads of the show is their development from kind of a an unwilling antagonistic one to a genuine close bond of friendship and brotherhood by the end of it. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. Also hijinks ensue and, you know, conspiracies are unraveled and, and all that stuff. If you care about spoilers, then uh, stop watching or listening or whatever. Just go away and watch it. It's on Netflix. Just imagine whatever corporate logo you want. Um, uh, Pornhub. Yeah. That's what that's what Barnaby's um, just pointing to on his chest. <laughs> Rock Bison has bad tracking on his shoulder. <laughs> okay, I need I need to find someone who's ripped the assets. I will do it myself. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna, Just... we're, gonna we're gonna we're gonna hack into Sunrise and steal all the um, steal all the raw footage. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought now. Uh, yeah, no, stop. If you care about spoilers, you know what to do. If you don't care about spoilers, or if you've seen it before and just want to listen to us ramble, welcome. Uh, so yeah, it's as the as the series progresses, we we start to kind of uncover a more kind of un underlying plot to the thing. You know, Barnaby has this kind of personal vendetta quest he's going on to avenge his parents' killers, and you know, all, all that kind of superhero guff. Yeah, it's a combination of um, intersecting plot points. Sure, you can have one episode that's specific to one, but there's always something going on underneath. Yeah, it's like half of the show is like a slice of life thing, and the other half is almost a, a thriller, really. That, that comes more into it in the second half of the show. <clears throat> I think that was needed in order to build the initial relationships. 
Yes. You can't go straight into the thriller. You've got to have something that seems to be the status quo. So you've hmm. got everyone doing superheroics, um, you know, getting TV ratings, that kind of thing. Then yes. it all starts to fall apart. Yeah, well, with, with Kotetsu and Barnaby's relationship being so integral to the show, you do have to develop that properly before you kind of, you know, spring the big spoiler, the big the big reveal onto us. You kind of have to have that build up, and they they do build up a lot of stuff as they go along. Like in one episode early on, Barnaby mentions that it is parents built robots or were in robotics developments. Then a few episodes later. Um, he meets an old co-worker of theirs who has a prototype android and then spoiler alert in the final few episodes all that kind of culminates into um a robot version of kotetsu that they have to fight and it's this it's these little elements that are dropped in earlier that kind of pay off later on you know it's it's basic storytelling but it's nice when it's done decently you know oh yes though i have my own views on how often these elements were used uh, but we can get to that at a later point. Not to say I'm criticising it massively at all, it's just a few little niggles, just a few gaps in the world which would have made Not things a little better. good enough for you, is it? <laughs> I show you a goddamn masterpiece, and this is how you treat me. Why must you hurt me? I do it because I love you. So I suppose uh, we're not we're not doing a full run by run, step by step plot synopsis. Uh, now it's relevant, we may as well get into the big spoiler um, the big CEO man was evil the whole time. Oh no, a, a big trust us. We're doing mogul. this to get the plot out of the way because there's a lot of story. We aren't going episode by episode. We'd be here twelve hours. God no. It, it's more interesting to talk about the characters than the plot. Mm. That makes it sound like the plot isn't good. Um, character interactions and relationships are a huge integral part of it, and there is more to talk about there than there is about giving a, a rundown of the plot, if that makes more sense. But yeah, who'd have thought? A man called Mr. Maverick is not really that yeah, reliable. I Okay, I'm, I'm going to just voice one concern now. Like, all of this could be avoided if yes. all the next, which is the term for people with superhero abilities or some special power, were just kept on like a list, like the Incredibles. Holy Like if the government hell. knew about oh, them and tracked them. What the hell, dude? He... Okay. Like, no, seriously, imagine if that kind of thing's regulated and, you know, those with potentially dangerous would... things could be caught out. I know that Maverick had, you know, the power to alter memories, but of course, if enough people have got their eyes on it, he'd be like, hey, you know, we can we can prevent people from going rogue or, you know, have a nurturing environment where they can be used for good rather than just be like, right, okay, um, you're not going to get any help until you attend some sort of school, but you're going to so... go through the rest of your life being treated as a freak. Yeah. To appropriate a line from Magneto, registration is just the start. Okay. We, we see that Next aren't exactly... Non-hero Next aren't really treated that great sometimes, which, which ties I mean, into the yeah. whole reveal. And so having a, a, you know, a directory of, of them is not a good idea, my dude. Like, I, I, is that what you took away from, from X-Men? Well... It's more the fact are that you, are you, are you, no, 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 no. Mutants get mutants. <laughs> I'm, I know. The... Okay, look, look now. All right, no, then. All right, then. The whole, Bolivar the trash. whole mutant situation is oh, handled better in X Men. There's, there's a situation, is there? I just see people. <laughs> I see no, no, people no, no, no. just trying to live their lives. You, racist. no, 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 no. Okay, 
It's not fair because the X-Men series has been active for decades, meaning there's a lot of world building. But from the episodes of Tiger and Bunny I've seen, there isn't much in the way of anything to do if you're a next or finding out if someone's a next. It's potentially, it's just dangerous. It's like, okay, the minor ones, like someone who's ah. able to sweat a lot. Like, there's literally one who showed off by sweating buckets. I'm like, great, okay, they can make their neck wobbly. But it's like the ones that you think, oh, they're potentially dangerous. And so we should, you know, put the government in charge of that. That'll be nice and safe. Or some sort of third-party agency. The government has a perfect track record of keeping people safe. Well, okay. <clears throat> in this kind of world, you see people with powers becoming superheroes that aren't really conducive. I mean, look at Origami Cyclone. He can turn into other people. How would he oh, not so have been nabbed by a government agency beings, and treated as some sort of super spy? I mean, that's obviously what he would have done, rather than just going full weeb. Are you complaining that he's a bloody weeaboo TV star instead of some kind of subversive element in some kind of letter organisation? Yeah, pretty much. You sicken me. I thought I knew you. You've got to utilise your assets, man. People are not assets. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Christ I think we're going into... <laughs> You're going. You're going. I'm on the right side of history, buddy. Not that I'm anti-superpowers. I'm not anti-mutant. I just, just like, don't want them to live I'm next just thinking all this, could have, all this could have been avoided if there was just a watch list. Like... <laughs> Do you want me to take that shovel away from you before you dig that hole any deeper, my man? <laughs> okay, oh, so, it's, not like uh, Rex is... it's not like if this was something in The Incredibles, I would be let's, holding let's, a picket sign saying from, no supers. Let's, let's move away from your weirdly discriminatory uh, views on <laughs> you know, different species of humanity here, all right? Are, like are to, you painting like to, me like as some assure, kind of... <laughs> I would like to assure that all our, uh, our meta-human listeners here that I am not a speciesist like my co-host here. If you're a, a mutant or adjacent, I'm perfectly happy. Just please, marry my daughter. <laughs> 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 uh. <laughs> Man, yeah, this is this is a uh, this is a massive ethical debate that I don't think needs to exist. But it's kind of that thing. It's like uh, they just kind of leave next be. Good. Well, that, that kind of that ties into Maverick's kind of well villainous plot to make next okay standing yeah. members of society. True, by using PR to make them come across as superheroes to mean they're no longer feared but respected. Really good idea, by the way. As mm, far as, is, yeah. as as far as secret plots go, that's a really good one. Like he, it's he a very address... ends justify the means, but yes. the way he did it, the the fact that he committed several murders. Oh, I'm not saying that, that I'm justified. I'm not saying that I agree wholeheartedly with the whole thing. I'm just saying that it's a really smart idea, both in universe and as a plot for a TV show. It's it's a really good idea, and I like it. Um, obviously, he went around it a completely horrible way by engineering crimes and stuff like that. Um, but it's 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 not quite. They they don't explicitly say if he started out evil or not. I think the implication is that he started out with good intentions and then slowly was corrupted over the years. Hey, Barnaby, I shot your parents. <laughs> Come here, son. I'm going to wipe your mind. <laughs> you won't remember Diddley. You'll think Steve Blum did it. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's 
like I said, really good plot, really creative, and the implication of him kind of being corrupted over time, it, again, is really good because it paints him as a little bit more tragic than just a one note of, aha, I'm, I'm a bad man kind of villain, you know? Yeah, true. Uh, it does get... I mean, the villains aren't too one-dimensional. I mean, I mean, well, there are two big villains. There's Maverick yeah. and Steve Bloom. Even Steve Bloom wasn't too bad. It was very generic, like, ah, I'm going to create a new world order of next and we'll rule over the puny mortals. It's like, great, why are you committing mass civilian casualties? No, it, yeah, Actually, like, you know what? I found a way to phrase it. It's not like a government watch this. It's more like an outreach program to support those with these abilities, especially because they would be in an yeah, environment and, where and they would be discriminated against. We're going to provide them with subsidized government housing in their own little area as well. Obviously, it'll be walled off from the normal people, but, you know. <laughs> okay, you, you just... Yeah, and they'll, they'll go on their own trail of tears. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, oh dear. See, I, I don't know. Am I the bad guy, or do I just you have, like, a serious guy. white savior complex? You are the bad guy. Are In no situation should a government have a list of people. Anyway, back what to... What about a list of people whose birthday it is, so they can give them a birthday card? Why? I don't want a birthday card from the goddamn government. Well, you're getting one from the Queen on your 100th. It's none of her goddamn business. Hey, fine, I'll get yours. Then I'll get two birthday cards from the Queen. You're welcome to it. Yay! Double birthday. Yay! And yeah, no, the villains are a little bit weak. Maverick is probably the best one. If we're talking about the series, yeah, the movies have... We'll talk about those when we get to the movies. Uh, but the, oh, the TV yeah. show, um, the villains are... Kind of one note, except for Maverick and Jake, or Steve Bloom. Hmm. Or Cream, actually, now, a sidekick. In the context of it, would you describe Lunatic as a villain? No. Anti-hero? Uh, oh god, what's the definition of an anti-villain? Um, an anti-hero is something, someone who does something wrong to do something right, basically. Like, like well, it is, it is right by his moral crime. compass. Right, so he's not evil, he's just <clears> operating on a more extreme version of morality. Although, to be honest, again, he does share a lot of moral things that we all have, like, you know, uh, spousal abusers and nonces should be incinerated alive. Yeah, that's a reasonable standpoint. I don't think anyone would really admit to, yeah, not agreeing with that. <laughs> I mean, sure, you know, there's the judicial process, but um, it, it's kind of the, the need... Well, no, to, to be oh, fair... Boy. To be fair, he's also part of the judicial process. So it's... <laughs> yeah. Damn it, the cops are taking too slow and the lawyers are fumbling about. I'm just going to burn this guy. Yeah, spoiler alert, the judge guy is lunatic. Oh boy, you'd never have known it. He really tries to change his voice. <laughs> I think we should um, that, that uh, evil start talking about each of the... <laughs> is, is, is a murderer. Who would have thought? One of the two people that does the uh, glowing anime glasses. <laughs> Uh, no, I really like Lunatic. He's a good addition to the series. He does not do very much, though, is is the problem. He'll turn up for a couple of episodes and be like, ooh, my hit, my presence here is, is interesting and di you know, changes the dynamic, ooh, and then he'll, he'll go up for another couple of episodes. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Like, he's fun to have around. I like him. Uh, I think he's a really interesting character, and he, I like how he sort of likes Kotetsu as well. Yeah, there's um, that kind of dynamic going on. It's not that he he kind of follows his own moral code and doesn't really try to attack the heroes because he doesn't perceive them as having done anything wrong. In fact, during um, the last arc of the end of it, um, even though Kotetsu's on the run, having been blamed for a murder, 
he actually protects him, which is kind of cool. Mm. Though I think we're overshooting a little. I think we need to talk about the characters because we're giving a lot of things sans actually, context. Yeah. You're right, you're right. Um, with character interaction and drama being so integral, maybe I got it the wrong way around. Maybe we should talk about characters at the same time or kind of intermingled. Okay, so um, who do you want to talk about first? I'd say let's talk about Kotetsu, a man okay, who okay. is in his 30s and considered an old um, veteran superhero who's past I his find, prime. I find a lot of these elements are kind of reflective of Japanese, um, what's the word I'm looking for, kind of pop idol culture and stuff like that. Yes. So like while we in the West, like, oh, he's 30, yeah, isn't he? he's looking pretty good for 30, you know, he's doing good, we wouldn't, we wouldn't consider him past his prime. Um, with kind of pretty boy <laughs> kind of public figures, you know, like, oh, 30. Yeah, that was quite a surprise for me. I initially thought he was, you know, approaching middle age or something. Like, in his 50s, that would be a perfect thing. If it was hmm. someone in their 50s, you know, they're physically winding down. And so, yeah, they can't know, do a demanding 30s, job. Like He's still perfectly capable of doing it. Like I said, if you, if you, through this, bleh, if you view this through the lens of kind of the Japanese star system, <clears> then, yeah, it makes a little bit more sense in that regard. Hmm. That being said, everyone who is a superhero in this is at their physical prime. Like, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to mention Origami Cyclone again. He barely uses his powers. Like, all he does is to do that to sneak up, yeah. and that's only implied in a few sentences. But the man can flip around, jump off buildings. I'm thinking, hang on, you can be a superhero. All you need is gadgets and just, you know, be jacked. You don't need exactly. a gimmick power. That's all it is. All the TV show is like, oh, look, they've got a gimmick. They're doing the gimmick. It's like, hang on, no. Ooh, superheroes. Well, yeah, no, Origami Cyclone has very few ways to use his powers. In That's a why he'd be best system. as a government spy. Why, why do you want that? I'd love a superhero, like, underground Cold War kind of thing. Well, yeah, but... <laughs> Bloody bootlicker. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, no, pretty much all you need is decent funding, and you can be a superhero without your power. It's just that everyone else has more practical powers they can use, like cryokinesis or pyrokinesis, or being rock solid, or in Kotetsu's um, case, being a dilf. I don't think that's his superpower. Yeah, could be. Uh, yeah, he's the he's the kind of idealist of the bunch. He's the one that kind of buys into this whole system the least, and yeah, he's, he's just there to be able to help people. And the superhero system is more of a hindrance to that than a, a means to an end, almost. Yeah, I think he's called what the Crusher for Justice, yeah. by him being quite reckless and causing a lot of collateral damage. <clears throat> he's a good boy, goddamn. He's just trying to help. Yeah, I also like how. Um, since he is the oldest, he has the most, um, I guess, the oldest looking costume in that it's sort of a very generic Batman-esque thing. There's only like yes. one logo on the front, while the newer ones have, you know, an arse load of brands emblazoned on them from every angle. Mm. It definitely shows him as like a, a, a the last holdout almost, you know? Yeah. Because um, after like the first episode, he gets his new kind of mecha suit to wear that kind of matches uh, Barnaby's, which looks good. But you can kind of tell that he prefers that old superhero kind of classic aesthetic, you know? Like oh, he's got yeah. Like a short little cape, like Mr. Legend's cape. Because he was, um, 
it, we've seen a flashback that he was inspired to be a superhero by their kind of in-universe first superhero who kind of started this whole system that they're using today. It's, it's a really nice little moment, you know? Um, you know he, he saves the day and helps his hero save the day as well. And Mr. Legend gives him some words of encouragement and tells him that he can be a hero too. And I'm absolutely certain that nothing horrible will be revealed about this man whatsoever. He's just a stand-up guy who's who never at all. do anything He's, wrong. Yeah. What a good man. <laughs> An absolutely perfect human being. Nothing controversial at all. No. Oh yeah. Although there is the there is a domestic abuse angle. Um, there is. That yeah. Because spoiler mm. alert, turns out the man um, was not great behind closed doors. And yes. Just... Um, actually, this. The, okay, I'm going to interrupt. This ties in with um, a later plot point for Kotetsu in Tiger and Bunny, where he starts to realize he's losing his powers. So Kotetsu's superpower, as is Barnaby's, is that their strength and basically everything is increased by 100 times for five minutes. Yeah. He finds that he can only do this for shorter periods at a time. He's very concerned about losing his powers. And uh, then he finds out from, I think it it is Ben, his old um, corporate sponsor guy, that yeah, Mr. Manager. Legend yeah, also started losing his powers and there were cover-ups and stuff. And um, it's revealed to us that he really did not take losing his powers well. He took it out oh. on his family. And yeah, I mean, you see some pretty nasty scenes of him oh, beating yeah, his wife, that. beating his son, who turns out um, is lunatic. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, <clears throat> okay, I'm going to talk a little about lunatic's design. There is an imprint of a hand on lunatic's mask. Turns out that was um, when, uh, let's see, he caught Mr. Legend beating his mum. And then he just, you know, just angrily tried to get him to stop. Ends up using his powers um, and ends up setting him on fire. Then he got grabbed, you know, with his with Mr. Legend's palm on his face. I think that kind of burned a scar into him as well. So he basically so he burned the man to death. Yeah, yeah. So, so Lunatic has to wear makeup now to kind of cover up that scar on his face. It's mm. I was I was shook when I saw that. I was like, oh no! That was so God. dark. Yeah, and the fact that this this yeah. isn't what I was watching. And his mother still blames him for killing him, but no, all he wanted to do was just protect. Like which is he, which even yeah. more tragically is a desire instilled in him by his father. Yeah. Because when things were still good, his dad was telling him, "Oh, you can you can never allow evil to thrive, son. Always always be a hero." Blah 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 blah. Mm. And he he takes that to heart and tries to um, apply it to the situation where his dad is beating his mum up. It's it's just kind of this, this tragic little moment where he kills his dad and traumatizes his mum half to death, and then he still has to take care of her while she's either senile or in some kind of delusional fugue state or something like that for the rest of her life and only has moments yeah. of clarity. Like, Lunatic's life is one of the worst lives I've ever seen a, f a fictional character have. Like, that man's life is hell. Man clearly needs a hug. Like, holy... Mm. It's just... Which is why I'm very hesitant yeah. to condemn him. Like, yeah, he kills people, mm. but he's incredibly thorough with it. Like, there's... There are bigger problems in this universe than a man called Lunatic setting people on fire with a crossbow, you know? Well, it, it's only very guilty people, like people who commit serious crimes. Yes. Uh, that's not to say I'm a, a big supporter of vigilante justice or anything like that. That way lies lynchings. However, in this one case, I, I can understand it. Not necessarily endorse it, but understand it. But it's, it's interesting how 
Lunatic and Kotetsu are these really good kind of mirrors and parallels of each other when they don't really get to do that much together. <clears throat> oh, yeah, true. None of them really are fond of the current system of justice, whether that be police no. or the highly televised superhero stuff. They all want to go their own way of things. And the main difference is their perception of justice. Like, Kotetsu is fine uh, with um, protecting people and making sure that the bad guy gets arrested. Um, but, uh, yeah, Lunatic likes to do... I think his name's Yuri or something. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, he likes to do a more thorough job. Yeah, Kotetsu is fine to work within the system as it exists and kind of try and improve it from within. Uh, Lunatic <clears> has <throat> completely rejected it despite also working within it and has taken matters into his own hands. But there's also the fact that they're both inspired to do their quote-unquote heroic acts by Mr. Legend, either by Mr. Legend's public persona or Mr. Legend's real personality. Yeah... It, 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 it's 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 a masterpiece of character dynamics. There's that little bit at the end when uh, in, at the end of the last movie where Kotetsu is spoiler alert kind of reinstated as a hero and you know he has a little bit of a smile, not not a, not a big one but a little one. Like he's happy that Kotetsu is back and able to be a you know a first rate hero. It kind of shows that there's more to him than this kind of moral absolutism. He recognizes the validity of Kotetsu's idealism. Oh, yes. I really love this show. Uh, we're talking a lot about Lunatic and Kotetsu. Uh, Barnaby uh, is the second half of our duo. Uh, the titular bunny, as much as he hates that nickname. Well, he has got the big bunny ears on his helmet. Yeah. I mean, to be f yeah. I don't know what else he expected from that, to be honest. Uh, Barnaby is... He's been given like the 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 superhero backstory, you know. My parents were killed. I must avenge them and and right the wrongs of society that led to this tragedy to ensure that it must never happen to anyone else. And blah 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 blah. Like he he's been given that kind of really generic, typical superhero origin thing, which you know it kind of works in this kind of subversive story they're telling us here. Yeah. I wish there was some sort of flashback thing where when um, maybe if Kotetsu's asked about his child, he's like, "Yeah, it was all right." Love my parents. Yeah. Had a good time. <laughs> I think I think all he got was probably just like uh, picked on for having next powers. That's about it. Mm. Well, it's still, it's, it's still effective. Yeah, he was clearly an unhappy kid because of that. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, Barnaby kind of starts out as the the young hotshot who only cares about points and blah. blah yeah, kind of gaming the system and stuff like that. Um, he clashes heads with the older, more idealistic hero, and oh, will they? Won't they be good friends? I don't know. Does the title of the anime being, you know, Tiger and Bunny imply otherwise? Hmm. Uh, he's. I don't engage with him as well as I do with Kotetsu. I I, I feel more in common with Kotetsu than Barnaby. Um, I yes. If Barnaby was on his own, I think he'd be a much worse character because then he wouldn't have Kotetsu to kind of play off of and kind of reveal his more petty, um, kind of imperfect nature. Because he projects oh, this kind yes. of perfect. Barnaby's pretty cold. Oh, to begin Especially with, absolutely. When he, yeah, and when doing certain jobs, he only focuses on getting points. For example, it, it kind of shows how he's really kind of self-involved and kind of only concerned with his own issues to begin with but then as Kotetsu kind of manages to break down his you know the wall he's put up he kind of opens himself out to being more more like Kotetsu kind of becomes a little bit more 
heroic and less selfish about things, you know? Oh, yes. So again, like, Barnaby on his own to begin with, not the most fun character, but Barnaby with Kotetsu as a duo kind of developing, yeah, perfect. That's the best way to enjoy him. Uh, as as the series goes along, we kind of uncover more and more about his backstory, yeah, about the, the secret organization called Ouroboros that killed his, uh, his parents. Uh, and the all of the kind of major beats of the show kind of revolve around him. So, you know, the whole Jake thing, like, oh, he, Jake killed my parents. I, I must be the ones to feed him, blah, blah. Um, and then it's revealed, oh, no, it, was, it wasn't Jake. It was Maverick the entire time. And then it's kind of all, which makes more sense. You know, he had rich, important parents. And, you know, Kitetsu slightly is less relevant in the world that they've made. Hmm. It still just feels a little bit uneven to have because Kotetsu gets more focus in the kind of slice of life bit but Barnaby gets more in terms of um, kind of main plot well Barnaby doesn't really have a, a life does he he's no. a bachelor he has no family his apartment is um, you know undecorated save for a computer there's not really much going on in the personality department aside from the one thing he lives for which mm. is um, you know finding his parents killer compared to Kotetsu who is pretty much um, just pay, just trying to feed his family back home yeah again a, it, the whole series is really good with contrast like that because when you see Barnaby's home it's immaculate this high-rise penthouse type thing. And then you see um, Kotetsu's, it's all messy. And you got, like, um, drink cans everywhere and stuff like that. But it looks very much lived in. Oh, yeah. Plus, you got to think about the circumstances. Kotetsu became a superhero because he wanted to protect people and save the world. Um, Barnaby became a superhero because he wanted to get justice for his parents. Yes. Again, this whole series has really good kind of parallels and mirrors like that throughout it, you know? It's kind of funny how the emotional core of the um, of the series is kind of represented by Kotetsu and kind of everything kind of mirrors him more than Barnaby. So I guess, oh, I, yes. guess it, I guess it is kind of more even then. If Barnaby gets all this kind of plot progression, Kotetsu gets more slice of life and emotional thematic stuff. Yeah, maybe I was too harsh on that on that point. Ignore me. Uh, the other heroes that kind of fill out the roster are kind of various archetypes. Like you've got Sky High, who's the um, up until like the halfway point, the king of heroes. So he's, he's the one who's won kind of consecutive previous years ranking and stuff like that. They basically they, they assign each hero points depending on the actions they take during different crises. So it's like um, 200 points um, for saving a civilian or something like that. Uh, and whoever gets the most points... Um, <clears throat> And gets the most points will be crowned the king of heroes that um, that season. Yeah, pretty much, and he is beloved by just about everyone. Oh, you he's, can't hate uh, him. Oh no, he's charming, incredibly charismatic. Um, has a jetpack. Actively, incredibly you know, goofy. does yeah. Well, that's only goofy in his civilian life. To everyone else, he is um, basically Superman. He's he's still incredibly goofy as a superhero. Like what the. One of the first things he, he says when um, that, that, the the introduction kind of crisis that we're we, we're given in the first episode, like the the bad guy says, "Don't do anything funny or else." And then Sky High's response is, "You don't do anything funny or else." That, that man is a goofball, and I love him. Yeah, I, I think the, the he could use a few pointers on how to make one-liners. No, do not change him. I want him exactly the same as he is. <laughs> 
yeah, I quite he, like uh, the um, explanation of his powers in the first movie as well, uh, because yeah. he's explained that he can control the wind, he can float, but he needs the jetpack to actually fly and steer himself around. Yes, it's smart. Like he can't just whoosh around normally. He can kind of guide himself and levitate things, but he can't propel himself just with his wind. Hmm. Now that's a good use of a hero's powers actually being used often. Yes. Like it's part of his normal way of getting about. Whereas um, with uh, Kotetsu and um, Barnaby, they just they just basically pop a cooldown, and they get five minutes where they can't where they can do so many amazing things, where they become pretty much stronger than a lot of the other heroes. Yeah, but only for five minutes, and after that, they've got to cool down for an hour. Yeah, and then they like um, Origami Cyclone rely on the you know armored suits they've got to do their superheroing. Yeah, pretty much. Um. After um, after Sky High, we've got Rock Bison, who is Kitetsu's other friend. Uh, he has the power to make himself really hard. Yeah, you only see that again in the first movie. There is so much in that film that just it really fluffs out the characters a lot more. Makes them a lot more likable, because throughout the series, you only see the other heroes as um, uh, competitors. And you don't really get much from their interactions. Like You don't really get much of the friendship between Kitetsu and Rock Bison. Yeah. I can't remember his name. It's Antonio something. Antonio, yes. Uh, no, I think that back I think the backstory was that um he got into a fight um with Kitetsu and because Kitetsu was able to go toe to toe with him, he just decided to become his friend. Oh. Uh it's I don't know, I like it cuz they have like cuz they're both they both have animal themes for their um for their names. So um Rock Bison has a tiger on his phone for when Kitetsu calls him and vice versa. That's pretty that cool. Thing. It's neat. It's it's cute. Um, his kind of gimmick is that he's once Kotetsu and Barnaby kind of work their ways up the ranks a bit more because before Kotetsu was like the lowest ranked hero, just above Origami Cyclone. But once he and Cyclone kind of get their acts together and kind of move up the ranks, then for the rest of the series, um, poor Rock Bison is the lowest ranked hero and is constantly on the verge of like being let go <laughs> by his company. It's just really sad. <laughs> Yeah, it's a recurring gag that's incredibly dark. Yeah, he's also terrified of heights, and the primary method of them deploying him is by shooting him with a giant catapult. Yeah, pretty much. So any time they deploy him into action, he just screams like a little girl. Yeah, all the other heroes have amazing mobility, and you know his sponsors thought, right, he's big and heavy, let's just yeet him <laughs> off a catapult. <laughs> uh, um, he can survive the fall. Yes, he can, but that doesn't mean he you know, doesn't mean he has to. <laughs> uh, next up, we have Nathan or Fire Emblem. Nathan's an interesting one because there are a lot of pitfalls um, these days about talking about his character. Um, I don't want to say anything that'll upset anyone. Well, um, let's just say this: he, <clears throat> well, not really. He's um, he's a black character. He is um, openly gay, flamboyantly so. But considering this is a Japanese production. The way it's portrayed is very progressive. Well, it's not as a joke. It's not like, oh, look at that. Oh, no. It's there's a man who has complete and confidence and pride in himself. Like he's not. Yes. He's not. He's not dressing in sparkles and a feather boa because, haha, funny man wear pink laugh. It's more he thinks that looks good. And so he shall look good. Um, Yes. I think I think the term is gender non-conforming, isn't it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, 
because there's there's I've, I've i've seen a lot of debate as to whether or not um he's trans or not but he, he does use uh, male pronouns throughout the series so I mean, um I yeah i think even during the last film where there is some um, a section where he's fighting with his inner demons on his um, sexual identity yeah he he comes out as he's he's gay yeah although he does i think although it is like a, a typical camp thing he does include himself as one of the girls among the female heroes I, which I they don't really, really like seem that. to mind no i really like that uh, it, it, i know it's, it's nice like if that's if that's where he feels most comfortable and that's you know i think it's nice that yeah. the two girls have kind of accepted him as part of their trio it, it's it's really sweet seeing them kind of regularly team up together especially because he's the older one mm. well, and he, so he, he takes on of... a more nurturing role uh, yeah exactly yes that, that's one of my favorite points about him because yes um on paper the, the the gay superhero has fire powers and he wears a lot of pink and you know makes passes at the male heroes oh no it's it sounds really bad on paper yeah but when you give him a chance and see how his character unfolds before you when he's put in different situations you see he has a lot more depth to him like yes he oh is, yeah he is uh, the subject of a lot of jokes however no more so or no less so than all the other heroes He's completed completely equally, and in fact, he's probably one of the most insightful and understanding of the lot. Like he's, whenever there's a, a misunderstanding or a situation that kind of needs uh, a little bo- bit more thought put into it, it's going to be Fire Emblem who is, you know, who knows what's going on. He's the one who kind of starts putting things together on Ouroboros for Kitetsu. He's also the one who can kind of see through Kitetsu's lies when he's trying to make everyone feel better and, you know, understand the kind of relationship issues he's having with Barnaby. Yes, pretty much. He does have an essential role within uh, the group. So even though all the heroes are technically competing against each other, there is um, a nice bit of camaraderie going on. Yes. Uh, Next up, we have Blue Rose, or Karina Lyle. She's the kind of dedicated idol of the... um, of the cast like i i, I it, the whole thing is elements of idol culture there but she's the only one who actually <clears throat> is one yes pretty much i um her character makes me a bit uncomfortable because she's a teenager she's a schoolgirl, but there's so much emphasis on i guess the fact that she wears a very skimpy outfit and even during the english dub mentions something about it, it's not just her body that's naughty or something i'm just like whoa okay oh. this is kind of creepy just like, like real life is this is it a thing in Japan with yes. rather young women being man? Yes. Yikes. Again, that that's how idols be. This is part of the reason why I just have no desire to have anything to do with that kind of community. It's just weird. A lot of idols are you know adults, but they do get a lot of them like just as they're leaving school or while they're still in school. So a lot of those pop idol groups are, are there for like a year or so and then fade into obscurity afterwards. You know, a lot of them will be schoolgirls. Man. Yeah. It's also a really, really oppressive um, system. Uh, no one should be involved in it. Right, now, I've, uh, now I've pissed off the BTS and uh, AKB whatever fandom. Yeah, because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, because, I mean, you know, K-pop and J-pop are kind of comparable in terms of how horrible it is to work there. Didn't this... I think one idol had to shave her hair and kind of give a, a tearful apology for having a boyfriend. Wow. Yeah. How horrible. And then there's what happened with um, Haruhi's voice actress, actually. That was. So, um, 
few years, well, I say a few years ago, like 10 years ago or so, around the time the Haruhi anime ended, uh, it was found out that she'd been sleeping with her band uh, members and she kind of got blacklisted a bit for a while because she has sex. My God, a woman having sex? Perish the thought. Oh, I'm going to clutch yeah. my pearls. Be right back, right, I so need yeah. to find some pearls. I'm going to go faint on a chaise long. Um, so yeah... <laughs> Her career kind of took a bit of a dip after that. Also, having a you know a tumor in her throat didn't help. Always in her brain. Aww. She had a tumor. That, anyway, she got that sort. Anyway, uh, she's back, but she's more in um, kind of theater now, which Aww. is really good um, because it would be really shitty if she just lost her career because she had sex a few times, but not with the bassist. I I don't know why we have these details but apparently it was everyone except for the bassist it's never the bassist i think that's just a rule in bands the bassist <laughs> yeah. is uh, they're the they're the underdog <laughs> um so yeah no idol culture is really weird um and blue rose does a good job of illustrating this like it, it's clear that she's she's very unhappy in kind of her position especially to begin with because she just wants to sing like she wants to be a singer but the company that kind of sponsors are like no you can do your singing but you know do it after you do your hero stuff yeah, pretty much. And even then, she's limited to um, idle kind of J-pop tracks rather than what she's clearly more interested in, which is um, kind of more ballads. Lounge? Kind of she, yeah, uh. lounge stuff. Yeah. Because she also has a side gig um, playing piano and singing in a bar. <clears throat> well, <a> club. <clears throat> yeah. I quite like her uh, developing crush on Kotetsu. Like, oh, it, it, is, it is massive dill fetish. <laughs> okay, it's, a, it's a cute thing when... desire for Dilf. It is a cute thing when you get a younger character like that getting infatuated with an old one because he's he's basically being a big brother of sorts. It's it's only if the character that she has a crush on is completely unaware of it. Which in this oh, case, yes, definitely. Kotetsu is. If Kotetsu nothing... reciprocates, then that's creepy as hell. Then you know Chris Hansen's gonna come going by. Kotetsu has absolutely no earthly idea of anything regarding that. Like he, he's just. He's just a, a good friend, and so is she, and that's yeah. all. That's all he knows about it. Like, everyone else knows, especially Fire Emblem, because he's constantly teasing her about it. Um, yeah, like, it's only a secret to Kadetsu. And she's pretty hot and cold about it as well. Ah, uh, what was it? It's like the Sundere. one thing where he could, he kind of, yeah, Sundere. And it's just like the lines where when she obviously misses him when he's late to come to where they hang out. It's um, not like I miss you or anything, Barker. Yeah, and also when he, he teases her like a big brother, like when she's got some um, cucumbers on her eyes, and yeah. like obviously doing like a face bar, he's like, hey, what happened to you? You fall asleep in your salad? And it's just all these dorky, embarrassing things he, he yeah he says and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's wonderful. I love their relationship. It's it's so much fun. Oh, yes. Uh, she's she's the only other kind of hero that gets much focus besides um, Kotetsu and Barnaby. Yeah, I think the ones that... Okay, I know... Hmm. Which one gets the least attention? I'm torn between Rock Bison and Dragon Kid. Dragon Kid. Rock Definitely. Bison gets something. Rock Bi uh, Actually, wait, no, Rock Bison doesn't get an episode. But he gets more bit no? parts in... Dragon Kid gets a whole episode about how, oh, no, my parents really do love me. Rock Bison They're not have... forcing me into gender norms. They just really care for me, and this thing they gave me means a lot to them. That kind of thing. Yeah. Rock Bison doesn't have a, a full episode for any kind of development. He's a background gag because he's the one who's always losing. Yeah, man, I, they kind of they kind of tie for the least kind of focus. Even though Dragon Kid gets an episode, it doesn't really do much. It's not really groundbreaking. Like, oh, my parents do care for me. 
I didn't realize all their positivity and nurturing didn't tip me off to the fact that they love me. <laughs> that being said, that she was one of the youngest uh, members of the group, so it kind of makes sense for her to be a bit of an idiot. I think younger than Blue Rose as well. I think so, yeah. Not by much. Yeah. But... Uh, no, I can't say anything. I was wondering if I could find a, like an official name for her. Um, name, age, you know what I mean. Um, yeah, yeah no, that's our yeah. that's our discussion on Paolin or the Dragon Kid. There's not really much to say. She dresses like um, Bruce Lee. That's kind of cool, I guess. Um, I don't know. Um, there's there's a bit of character development going on. So um, she's um, obviously very tomboyish outside of things. And um, she initially doesn't like the hair clip her parents gave her because um, she feels like they're trying to force her to be girly. And you see some development um, later on, like during the um, second film at the end, you know, at the um, announcement ceremony when... I think they mm. think Katetsu is going to come back. Um, you know, she's she's not wearing a dress. She's just wearing, a, like, a suit with some shorts. So very, um, quite androgynous. Yeah. I like how she's she's a little bit clueless as well. Like, it's not focused on, but it, it's when it's there, it's there. Like, she doesn't quite pick up on things. Like, um, Blue Rose is complaining about, not complaining, but noting that it, with her um, dragon kid and... Um, Fire Emblem. One of them isn't quite one of the girls, and um, Dragon Kid thinks she's talking about her. Oh yes, because she's not effeminate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Blue, uh, Dragon Kid works best as part of that trio um, rather than on her own. I think. Oh yeah, I I love the side heroes. They're just so good mm. together. All their interactions are always great. And she has a great moment in um, in the Rising where she's very clearly very fond of Fire Emblem because she's. Yeah, you know, ranting to one of the villains just how nice the guy is, and how how much yeah. he likes having him around. Hmm. Oh, the power that they all shared was friendship. Um. Next up, we have Origami Cyclone. Um. The the hero who's the most useless up until like the middle point, because he just hasn't he hasn't cottoned onto the fact that shape shifting might in fact be useless talent to have. Useful talent. Useful, rather. Useful. Yeah, he's convinced his power is useless the whole time, but dear God, he trains like crazy to the extent that he is in a major league of superheroes um, competing against a lot of out. people. Yeah, even like, though... He, he's he the worst one, yeah. but he's still there. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> in fact, his only role as a superhero is to just get in photos, sneak into photos, photobomb it, show off his um, sponsor. He's not there as an actual hero, but he's there just... <laughs> to sell things. He still trains his ass off to be a hero. Yeah, and in fact, when you start seeing him do hero stuff, it's really cool because even if it's uh, something big and dangerous, he's going to be rescuing civilians because that's part of his character development. He yeah. does end up getting better at his job. It's I mean, not that he even considering want to, it's just that he doesn't think yeah. he can. Yeah, and he finds that he can, and he implies that he uses his shape shifting ability to um, get the jump on some bad guys, and I think that's really cool. As a uh, as a side manga. Where where he's feeling down, so he shapeshifts into Katetsu to give himself a pep talk in a mirror. Oh, that's this, cute. This, this, this series is full of little side bits like that. They kind of flesh the characters out just a little bit, just a little bit here and there to make them more <clears throat> realistic people and way more endearing than their kind of archetypes would make them out to be. When it comes to the group dynamic, he is the most distant from the rest of the team, which I think stems from his self-esteem issues. So yes. when everyone else is training and stuff, he's just there throwing ninja stars and being all dark and broody, even though he's he's still, I think, like very early 20s, late teens or something. He's and... around the same age as Barnaby, I think. Oh, really? Oh, he yeah, because he, he recognized him from the academy. Yeah, right. OK. In that case, 
nearly mid-twenties? Man, he's a twink. Um, but yeah, so he's there as the distant one, but not in the Barnaby sense, but simply because um, he just doesn't believe that he's good enough. He opens up a lot more as the series goes on, and by the um, by the time of the second movie, he's hanging out with um, this guy High and Rock Bison in a bar, and they're having this kind of awkward kind of bonding thing over there, kind of mutual quirks and foibles. Yeah, pretty really- much. It's a really nice scene because it shows how kind of open and communicative they are with each other. Like, you know, Rock Bison and Origami kind of apologize for laughing at um, Sky High's kind of goofiness sometimes. And mm. It's just nice how open and, you know, genuinely friendly they are with each other. It, it's nice. I suppose if we're talking about the heroes, then it, we may as well talk about Gold Ryan here. Um, he's a movie oh, exclusive yes. character. He's only in one movie and then he leaves at the end of it. So he's probably not going to be in season two. Um, he's a jerk. But he's fun, kind of. In in some some moments, he, he has where he's kind of a fun jerk. But most of the time, it's just kind of yeah, okay. He's one of those characters where you're they're kind of built and designed to be not liked. Because he's um, yeah, pretty much. He's set as um, Kotetsu's replacement when he's fired from the company. He's arrogant, he's a a bit of a dick to everyone. He doesn't respond the same way that people would have expected Kotetsu to. Yes. But it's really good because it gives um, Barnaby a chance to be the Kotetsu for once. Yeah. We've got bits with um, with Ryan talking about, oh, I just want to get points, we've got to maximise our points. And then finally, you know, Barnaby has the opportunity to say that it's not always about points and we should, you know, be acting like heroes and saving people first. And it just kind Mm. of illustrates his, his development. Real good. Uh, his suit is again. Like, it, it's it's just designed to be a not as good as Kotetsu's because it's like this tacky gold reimagining of of Kotetsu's with like griffin wings on the back and stuff. It, like it's neat, but it's very clearly a knockoff. Oh yeah. Again, like this is a character designed to be not liked and for no one to have any qualms with when they go. So there's not really much to talk about with him. He's not even in the movie that much. Yeah, he's just. I mean, he he does a few things, but otherwise he's but he he's there to remind much. Barnaby of how much he loves Kotetsu. Yeah, they won an award for that episode. Really? Yeah, they not. That there's anything wrong with that thing. Like they won loads of kind of gay community awards for how kind of positive that the portrayal was for the time of just. Oh yeah, for the time. Him, not really. Yeah, for the time. I mean, there was one episode of The Simpsons with an openly gay character, and it was considered very edgy as well because it tackled homophobia. Well, Smithers. And no, well, no, he's always been like a, a recurring gag as a closet, um, closeted um, a gay person, which you know was later um, expanded well, he... on. But during the early stuff, well, wasn't it called homophobia or something like that? Yeah, pretty much. I still haven't seen that one. Can't say it's on the um, list of. It's ones actually to watch. it's it's quite funny. It's quite a well-written one. It's it's very ham-fisted by today's standards. Well, but, of course, anything... you know, it was the 90s. Um, yeah. Cultural perceptions have changed drastically. We can't really judge it by 2021 standards. That would be unfair. But I'm glad that things have changed. Back then. Probably, yeah. Pretty sure. Weird thing to know, but, you know, it's in yeah. my brain. Uh, back to Tiger and Bunny. Um, yeah. So the... Um, Give me a sec. So the uh, aside from the heroes, there's also this kind of support staff of um, kind of business people and media producer types, kind of help keep the system ticking over, and that kind of builds up the bulk of the other characters aside from Kotetsu's family. Um, you know, Miss, uh, Maverick is kind of invo- included in that because he owns one of the big companies and also the um, broadcasting companies. So I'm not sure how fair that is. Hmm. 
Yeah, Agnes is the um, she's like the producer of Hero TV, and she's all, like, all all of these characters are really fun, no matter how little focus they get. Like Agnes is this kind of ruthless kind of hound when it comes to chasing ratings and getting the best result out of any kind of situation she finds herself in as long as she's got a camera and a crew nearby and sometimes even just a camera um but she's very clearly like she's not bad or anything like that you know usually when you've got someone this kind of single-minded and ruthless you'd expect them to turn out to be bad <clears throat> but no she's perfect she's still incredibly moral she just likes to bend things and take advantage of situations a bit more yeah pretty much she's she's not evil in any way she's just you know really keen on doing her job and that means you've got to put on a show for the cameras i think mm. at one point she asked Katetsu to um try and pause for an ad break even though there's a tram coming right toward him yes which to be fair wouldn't have been an issue if he hadn't uh, broken the track oh yes there's not like she was putting anyone's lives in danger Katetsu was there the whole time it's just that he was the one who initiated danger yes uh, we also have her support staff of nameless uh, bit characters who get a little bit of something, like um, yeah, the, the, the camera guy um, who kind of follows her around likes porn. <laughs> I think that's his only um, descriptor. Yeah, <laughs> um, and the um, the girl who's in the trailer with them as well. Uh, like we see her kind of asking him. We see him kind of trying to ask her out. She also seems to like math because she's trying to count all the champagne glasses at an event they're at. Again, they get nothing much, but they get enough to kind of make them stick out as being present. Uh, yeah, they aren't just standing there in the background. They're doing their own thing. Uh, there's also the announcer, who looks like Harold Ramis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's the narrator of the um, the Hero TV, live, um, whatchamacallit, reality TV show. And he also does interviews and stuff like that. Like He's, he's probably the character that gets barely anything. He's just a prop more than a character or a real person. But it's still, yeah, it's this kind of consistent group of people that kind of makes the universe feel kind of cozy and friendly. Like It's not a, a standard generic um, reporter every single time. It's this guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, we also have Lloyds, who is um, Tiger and Barnaby's kind of immediate boss. And he starts out as this kind of hard-ass corporate type. But as soon as... Um, they start doing really well. He becomes a lot more amiable. Once they start turning a profit, he's a lot more obliging and kind of understanding. Yeah, he's there to be the one to, uh, what's the term, chew Katetsu out whenever he does yeah. something wrong. You're a loose cannon. Uh, we also got Ben Jackson, Katetsu's former boss, and then by the end of the series, new boss, because he gets uh, brought back on. And I love him. Ah, uh, yes. I, I, I really so like much. Ben. He's a uh, constant ben fan of Wild Tiger. Yeah, an absolute sweetheart. He is just one of the nicest, sweetest, best people, and he doesn't get nearly enough focus. Like he, I love him so much. I, it's just how he kind of goes out of his way to take care of of Kitetsu and just, just completely ride or die for the guy. You know. Oh I love yeah, Ben. I love him. I know it's a weird thing to get stuck on, but there, there are characters in here for anyone to love. You know. And the last of the characters that kind of make up the regular cast is Dr. Saito, who has some kind of speech impediment where he is just incredibly quiet. Except yes. when he has his megaphone hat on. Like yeah, he has a megaphone hat and he sounds a bit like Danny DeVito. <laughs> no, it's like Danny DeVito crossed with... Um, Gilbert Gottfried. 
Gilbert Gottfried, thank you. Uh, like he's the he's their kind of cue, basically. He gives them their suits, and he's he's, he's quirky. He's, he's a bit he's a bit of a wacky one, and he has that kind of Edna Mode um, bit where he's demonstrating Kitetsu's old costume versus Kitetsu's new costume. And yes, I really liked that he's that part. Glee at <laughs> ruining his old costumes is hilarious. Oh yeah, and like it, he's got some neat idea. Like he can clearly put a good suit together, but at the same time, he also makes a massive wristwatch for it. And a super mode that does nothing. Well, yeah. Well, he knows what um, the whole good PR thing is. He's designed super suits before. He knows what the audience is like. And he's like, okay, we've got to add um, a little finisher at the end. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it, I don't know. It just kind of, it says something about it. Like, he's still a weirdo, but he knows how to do his job goddamn well. Oh, yeah. Look, the world, the world runs on weird nerds that keep everything going. Otherwise, there'd be no innovation. Or people take advantage of them and sell their products for themselves. Ah, uh, yes. To the villain of the uh, the movie, Mark Schneider. That wasn't intended as a segue, but it worked really well. So here I am. I and do, I keep in mind, this along. is the second movie. We aren't really talking much about the first because there's not really much to um, the first talk movie about. Really, is mostly a retelling of the first few episodes of the series. If you, the only difference is the the last kind of act of it is this new kind of caper where they're trying to stop a, a, a thief and really that's not the the plot the plot is tiger and barnaby gaining a little bit of respect for one another which they do in the tv mm. show anyway so it's kind of superfluous really you, you get some neat little additional scenes but it's more of a curiosity than a movie you know yes uh, tiger and bunny the rising though is a proper continuation of the story so when we leave tiger and uh, tiger and barnaby um, Kotetsu is he's, he's retired from superheroing initially. Like he, he kind of decides not to, and then he gets chewed out by his daughter for being lame and lazing around the house too much. So then he rejoins as a hero, but in the second league. So he, he isn't quite as in demand as a first league hero like the main characters. He's he deals with like stuff like purse snatching and stuff like that, and kind of rebranded himself as Wild Tiger One Minute. Because his powers only yes. last for a minute. And by this point, he is a lovable goof because everyone yes. knows that everyone knows his identity, and so he's got that sort of public persona. Of, yeah, okay, he's he's still a klutz like he was beforehand, but he means really well, even when he, he he shows off and the villain escapes. <laughs> now that he's kind of gone through all those kind of adventures in the main series, like helping to beat Jake and all that, um, the public respect him more because they've seen how competent he can be. Yes. He, he's not changed, just people's perspective of him has changed. As well it should, the man is a goddamn saint. Uh, so it starts off with um, with him and Barnaby as second league heroes, because Barnaby just yeah, wants to be with his partner. It's really sweet. Mm. I love bromances in anime, or just anything really. I, I, I love that kind of thing. When, when it's done really well, it's, it's perfect, and it's a, a guaranteed way to make me love a story, is to have two bros. Um, so the, the main kind of deal with with this movie is that uh, a a big corporate greedy bastard man has taken over their company and has fired Kotetsu and given Barnaby a, a lame new partner oh no I, I wonder if this situation will be resolved by the end of the movie spoiler <laughs> alert it is uh, so Mark Schneider is Mark Zuckerberg basically yeah pretty much He's He's any kind of... No, he's like a combination of um, Mark Zuckerberg and um, Steve Jobs. 
Yes, like yes. This kind of sleazy neo tech company CEO type. They even do that bit where, like, um, in flashbacks, he's a lot more corporate friendly looking, whereas in the present, he's kind of got long hair and like a, a beaten it goatee and little t shades and stuff like that. It kind of mirroring how Steve Jobs evolved. Like, he started out with Apple looking like this corporate, you know, haircut and suit. And then by the time he came back, he was all kind of shaved head and turtleneck and jeans. Mm. I don't know if that was intentional. I'm going to assume it is because it kind of fits with you know the idea I've come up with and I'm a, I have a bias towards my own ideas. Uh, but the guy has no real depth to him. He's just a, a, a douche. The man sucks. Yeah, pretty much. That's the uh, point of the entire movie where the... Um... Well, where the evil necks that have been causing destruction of the city, they're doing so in order to get back at him, uh, because uh, he'd previously taken advantage of them. Their powers, their company, their, their family's companies, all just uh, wiped out because of corporate greed. Yes, and they're led by Virgil. I wish I'd played enough Devil May Cry to make a Virgil joke. I'm sure there's a very funny one I can make at some point here. But I, I'm just not that much of a Devil May Cry fan. So just imagine I said something really funny. <laughs> oh me, oh me! Yes, that was a good, funny joke. Good job, me. Uh, he is a—he's like a dark version of Barnaby. Really, he's like what Barnaby would have ended up being if he hadn't had Katetsu to kind of mellow him out and show him a better way. If that makes sense, he's—he's—he's he's, he's got the same kind of thing. Like <clears throat> that person killed my dad, or at the very least, led indirectly to his death via direct action. I was therefore take revenge. But instead yeah. of be becoming a hero and trying to do it through a system, he's kind of worked, you know, dedicated his life to bringing him down. Okay, so here is a question then. Right, so the the actual seeming villain of this film was evil corporate men. Oh shoot, what was the name of the um, our one who can control metal? Well, at the very end, of, of the, big metal of the next, yeah, yeah, Virgil. Yeah. Virgil, ah, yeah, sorry. Okay, so <clears throat> now near the end of the film, Virgil kidnaps him and takes him to a place so that he can televise him executing him. Also, Lunatic was on the way to the to the place until Katetsu fended him off. Who was he going to be there to kill? Uh, he was going to kill uh, Mark Schneider. Hmm. Well, Virgil is doing the exact same thing Lunatic does. He, he says, he, he accuses... Um... Katetsu of defending of you know corruption and stuff like that, doesn't he? So Lunatic was absolutely uh. going to kill Mark Schneider, or at the very least was making himself a presence in this whole situation to try and make sure that Virgil could kill him. Yeah. It's not like uh, Mark is just a dodgy, shady human being. Like, he's an active criminal. Like, he, he commits fraud mm. and pins it on other people and junk like that. Well, not quite as heinous as, you know, spousal abuse or murder and kidnapping. Still pretty bad. Yeah. But... I mean, capitalism is a pretty nasty crime. Bootlicker. <laughs> why the bootlicker? Because you want to register an entire subsection of theoretical humanity. That's why you're a bootlicker. <laughs> Damn it. Now, this is... Okay. Having said this, this is going to ruin my life. Um, eight years from now, someone is going to idly come across this podcast, interpret me as being incredibly literal, then call up my job and, <laughs> and say I'm a Nazi. <laughs> Well, you've sp spoken it, and so now it shall be true. If you need, you <laughs> I got cancelled for my views on superheroes. <laughs> <laughs> I think Magneto's a criminal. Why are you cancelling me? Uh, anyway. Uh, yeah, no, it's 
if you take anything away from this little episode, it's that you should watch Tiger and Bunny, start to finish, both movies. Do it. It's really, really good. It's just all around comfy. And there's a season two coming next year, so now is the perfect time. That's great. Frankly, I just want more. Although I feel like maybe they've written themselves into a bit of a hole with Kotetsu because his power only works for one minute. I'm thinking, okay, what kind of role would he have? Although that being said, Barnaby does kind of work around him, so timing when they use their powers. But it's not like he's always kind of relied on his powers. Like, he's still... I think even without his powers, he'd still want to be a hero. Oh, yeah, he's still got gadgets. He's still incredibly fit. Yeah. Look, if Origami Cyclone can do it, he can do it. And hell, for for most of a crisis, he he does it without his powers anyway, right? He can only use them for five minutes at best. Yeah. So it's not like he's inexperienced at not having to use his powers. Yeah, that makes sense. There's still stuff they can do with him. Also, allegedly, Mm. there's a live-action Hollywood version of it coming out at some point. They've been saying this for years. Oh, man. Part of me wants to think yes, but another part, no, because the kind of changes that they need to make would kind of warp it. If there was going to be a good live-action anime adaptation, like if if there was one that could be good, it could probably be Tiger and Bunny. Okay. So this comes to a part where I've been thinking about it for a long time. How would you adapt Tiger and Bunny to the West? Oh, God. Live-action... Money is not an object. Oh, good. I can finally pay off some bills. Finally! Oh, you mean about the... Um, the, the, the yes, yes. Oh, okay. Well, well my debt will have Welcome to, to the rat race. Um, right, how would I do it? Uh, Jesus Christ, you really put me on the spot here, my man. Uh, right, well, okay, if you'd let's... like, I can go with mine first. No, 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 you put me on the spot now. I shall own this spotlight. Um, God. <clears throat> you can't do it as much um, as a reflection of Japanese corporate culture so you'd have to rework a few things to be more reflective of american ways of doing it um maybe maybe you could kind of rework uh blue rose's whole thing as being more like a salmon cowl situation because apparently working with salmon cowl is meant to be really bad too or something like that honestly you i'm just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks here uh you could in terms of actual plot and content uh, you'd have to make, I think you have to make it like two films for this, for the two halves of the show. Make movie one about um, Jake and Ouroboros and stuff like that, and then movie two be about Maverick. Because there's no way you could do the entire story in one movie and have it not come across as being horribly, horribly rushed. Oh, yes. Uh, so yeah, use the first movie for uh, a more streamlined version of the Jake plot. Not that that took very long to wrap up at all, actually. It was like, what, three episodes? Mm. Uh, and then the, use the rest of it for like establishing the world and the tone. And then you can go straight into um, the second one. Uh, maybe you could take an opportunity to kind of take the mick out of like modern superhero movies from it as well. Oh, yeah. You'd have to be uh, quite meta with it in order to stand out. Yes. Uh, go on, then. How would you do it? I know you've, you've been... You've been wanting to have Hugh Jackman as Kotetsu. Yes, him. okay, so I'm thinking Hugh Jackman as the equivalent to Kotetsu. Now, but Kotetsu is okay, I'm gonna... my man. It can change Before... some names around. Now, <laughs> I'm Carl uh, okay. Carruthers. I'm Carl Washington. Carl um... T. Carruthers at your service. <laughs> okay, okay. Now, 
what I'd do is, so for one, I'd I'd make it culturally a lot more Western. So for one, you know, Kotetsu wouldn't be in his 30s, equivalent, it would be in his 50s. Now, of course, Hugh Jackman, he's a popular actor, and he's also in his 50s. Now, my main thought for this was, I saw a pic of Hugh Jackman, he's like, just relaxing, versus him actually acting and stuff, where he still looks, you know, buff and handsome and stuff, and then you just see a man in his 50s sleeping. Where you Hugh can Jackman, see no matter how much exercise like, has... More like more like huge jacked man. Yeah. He's still in excellent shape, but when you just see him sleeping, you just see a man who is in his 50s. Just looks like that. It has that very human aspect to it. So you have him that, so he's, you know, aging, so middle-aged. Um, that's how I cast him. And so you'd make a lot, so you'd have a lot more of an age range among the heroes. So he would still be the old guard. The time scales would be different, but he would still be the eldest. Um, so maybe play Wolverine. Yeah. So he kind of is a superhero past his prime kind of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah. And you know that would really help market it as well because then you could add um, a um, a commentary on the superhero genre, especially because it's aging. Because. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the Marvel movies were fantastic in the early 2000s, but now they're just starting to age a bit. Um, <clears throat> see, I, my main focus is on the casting and how the characters interact. So he'd yeah, still basically... Yeah, he'd still basically be the same. Um, maybe make his daughter a little older, so teenager rather than tenish. Um, yeah. Still quite bratty. Um, uh, see, as for the other companions, frankly... I know for stuff like um, Rock Bison, I'd be thinking something like Terry Crews. Rock Bison's Hispanic, my dude. I'm, I'm race swapping everybody. His name, his name is Antonio Lopez. And I'm, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna do everything. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm gonna Disney Everyone everything. Is Terry I'm Cruz. Gonna... At least they don't have a Tibetan character. We've got to get rid of that for the international markets. Ah, you fool! You fool! They did in the movie in the Rising. <laughs> that monk guy. He was. He, I'm pretty sure he was meant to be a Tibetan monk. Really? You fool. Yeah. <laughs> Damn, that's my joke out of the window. Um, yeah. But yeah, okay. Um, so maybe something like that. So you've got to go for like a, a, a typical Hollywood, very big guy. I chose Cruz because he can do he can do some of the silly stuff, like especially s screaming in terror and being <laughs> launched out of a catapult. Yeah, yeah. Um, You're not wrong. Yeah, was, he, he could do it. Yeah. Those are the main things I was thinking of um, uh, casting-wise. Um, but Mahershala Ali is Fire Emblem. Yeah, okay, I can see that now. I was initially thinking Lil Nas X, but well, yeah, yeah. What I, and like, like we said, well, like I said to you, uh, uh, off mic, that Lil Nas X can do the energy of Fire Emblem, but he doesn't look like Fire Emblem. Okay, how about I um, throw something, throw a spanner in the works here? Taika Waititi is Fire Emblem. I'll, I'll go now. I can feel your glare through the microphone. Taika. I'm so glad that I never have to worry about looking like a redditor again. I've got you to take that heat off of me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, for other actors, <clears throat> I'm not too sure. I mean, all I can think of maybe um, uh, Dragon Kid. You get. Um, I don't know. Are there any? Are there any popular tomboy actresses? I have no idea. I don't. Know. <laughs> I um, don't um, but yeah, um, my main thing would be that it would focus a lot more on the. A corporate satire, so it'd be a lot more evident. I'm not talking like a scene in Talladega Nights where someone can't see because there's a massive Wonder Bread sticker over the visor, but um, <laughs> maybe just a lot more of a focus. So, like with um, Origami Cyclone, 
he becomes more of like a, a meme TikToker style thing. Oh, no. Where, Ew. Yes. No. Yes. No. Where, you know, no. he like dabs in the background Jeez. photos and stuff. He's in a lot You're of viral videos. I, the I same potentially for Blue Rose, but a lot more dignified. You know, still famous. Maybe the whole I, influencer I kind tolerate, of thing. I will not tolerate influencer Blue Rose. This is <laughs> sickening to me. I don't know. I, I, yeah, but I seriously, sh- I you get like you um, one of my or- origami cyclone, you get him and flossing. You, bring this... Ew. you get him flossing in the background. It's cringe, no. but I'm going to make it intentionally cringe, You're cringe. Because making it. No, because by making it cringe and out of the loop, it adds more to the satire. It adds more to the film. You make it look like a pa- like it's a parody within a parody. But, uh, intent- but then again, that would distract from a lot of the drama. Unless you kind of paint it so that the Hugh Jackman character is very grounded and stays away from it. So you've got two worlds. You've got the sort of a brightly coloured corporate shtick. Then you've got the actual thing. That's where it, Actually, that's where it become a bit too gritty. Hmm. I, I need You're to meet up a with really a team of writers. It's way too ambitious. You sicken me. Yeah, that, the first draft of nothing really works. So disregard everything that came out of my mouth. It, it needs a lot more um, uh, uh, workshopping. Also, Ron Howard's attached to the project. Of course he is. Yeah. <laughs> it's in good hands. Yeah. Obviously, it's never going to come out. Then again, we said that about... Oh, Lisa never. And that came out like after 20 years of development hell. So, you know, what do we know? Yeah. Then again, you won't really get Avatar. anyone who's as uh, passionate about Tiger and Bunny as they are with Alita. Actually, speaking of Alita, we should do a whole episode on that. That was really good. Oh, yeah, at some point. Um, yeah, I feel like we've exhausted our discussion of Tiger and Bunny. Um, we highly recommend it. Um, I'm, yeah, it's okay. There, it's. I've just got a few gripes about the background, but that's just being me. In before Ranger calls me some kind of <laughs> bootlicker again. But yeah, it's genuinely good. It's, My man, I'm not. I'm. I'm not the one who. You're the one who made yourself. It, the it's a refreshing take on the superhero genre. It's different enough. For it not to be like, oh, hey, this is exactly like X or Y. I mean, it's got a, ni- a lot of nice influences. It's got some good smatterings of X-Men. There are some good references to The Incredibles. It, it isn't really a pastiche of any of those, but it uses a lot of them as a basis to make its own thing. And yeah, the concept of... But they're all in the same yeah, kind of niche. The concept of a corporate-sponsored superheroes in a reality show hadn't really been done. Then My Hero Academia ripped off a bunch of stuff from it and became wildly more popular, so this is the world we live in. Ah, yes. We didn't deserve Tiger and Bunny. It was a gift and we squandered it. Alas. Oh, season two is coming out. I've got that to look forward to. Yes, get hyped. Just gotta wait next year. Gotta wait until next year. It's gonna be good. I hope so. Oh, God. Mm. What if it isn't? Give it time. What if it's bad? Well, if it's bad, we can always go back to the earlier stuff. Yeah. Oh, well. I love Tiger and Bunny. Um, that's that's that's. I hope that's been made obvious. Go and watch it. I cannot recommend anything as highly as I do Tiger and watch Bunny. Watch it. You know, it, it kind of occupies that upper echelon of things. That watch I it love. now. You'd better watch it. Yeah, do it. Do it. Buy the Blu-rays. Don't watch it on Netflix. Or you know, sail the high seas. Whatever it is you want to do. 